0: Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn-CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon with me. I have a very entertaining guest today. She's a returning guest, and we're going to get into a lot of uh, interesting talk about her latest work and things that you might want to get involved with also. So we'll get into that in a little while. I guess for Business Buzz, the latest thing for me is that with the government shutdown temporarily ending, we'll be a little more back to normal. As a CPA, I just e-filed my first client's e-file return for 2018. They opened that up a few days ago. So everything's rolling along for another tax season. But with the government shutdown open, uh, one good thing is the federal employees who weren't getting paid, they're going to get paid plus their back pay. So I think that's going to be a good thing for them. And The IRS, I still can't get through on the phone. So, even though they were technically open during the shutdown, it was pretty much impossible to get through to talk to anyone. I'm hoping that's going to improve over the next few weeks, but at least the government shutdown's over temporarily. And maybe, maybe it'll not come back on February 15th, but we'll just have to wait and see. So, I promised you our guest today. Her name is Sherry Jones. She's working on a real exciting new book with a local angle. And uh, how you doing today, Sherry?
1: Oh, I'm excellent. How are you, Harold?
0: Real good. Glad glad you're able to come in. And So uh, let's talk a little bit about your new book project. I know you've been working on it for a little while, so uh, let's tell people what that's all about.
1: All right, Well, thank you. Um, so it's a collection of stories about the campfire oh. from um, November 8th people's experiences from that day and what they went through, um, trying to escape the fire and then those who stayed to protect their home, whether it was by choice or not. And to me, those um, stories are captivating and I bet that uh, other people will think so too.
0: Right. And you're still soliciting uh, firsthand stories from campfire survivors, victims, participants.
1: Yes. Yes, I am. Um, I have 25 stories so far. I am shooting for anywhere from, I guess I'd like about 50 mm-hmm. would probably be good. I have a variety of stories. I have families, siblings, and I am looking for some stories from some different angles. I don't have any law enforcement stories yet from any law enforcement personnel. So I would love to hear some of those. If any of you listeners out there know someone, um, have them get in contact with me. Love to get that angle. Also Firefighters. And that's another angle I don't have. Hopefully, um, I'm getting one of those. So, yeah. So, I'm looking for more stories.
0: That's going to be great. So, these stories are probably encompassing all different angles of what happened and, uh, like, harrowing close to the fire stories and all that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I have, um, like I said, just families. Um, I have some nurses who were working up at Feather River that day, um, and all of them— ended up trying to save their patients. And so that's just a huge other angle on the stories, but it's fascinating. And I love the fact that I'm so proud of the fact that so many of these people are just so strong and brave and committed to helping their fellow man.
0: That's that's where you find this out is in the times of tragedy and all that where
1: absolutely what people
0: are really like.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's it. Um, people's authentic self comes out during times of disaster.
0: That's like, sort of like in uh, the books that I read, like The Power of Now, uh, Eckhart Tolle mentions that in a crisis, your mind stops and time stops and you just do what you need to do. You're not thinking about, you know, picking up groceries that day or whatever.
1: Absolutely. And in the stories, when I've been um, listening to people, some of them feel bad that when they finally realize that they have to leave that their mind just kind of shuts off and they're like I didn't know what to grab you know right and some people will instinctively just grab the one important thing to them and some people don't they there was a story of somebody she's like I grabbed my roller skates I don't know why I don't need my roller right. skates <laughs> I mean stuff like that you just don't know it's yeah literally your your brain just stops its regular thinking pattern and you just go into this complete Different mode of right. thinking and it's just reacting more right. than it is thinking.
0: Right. Kind of like it would have been as a for a caveman escaping a saber-toothed tiger. I mean, you don't have time to think.
1: Absolutely. That's a great analogy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of clients who have lost homes, and one client who had come down the very day after the fire, Ooh. they were pretty much just sure their home was gone and they were asking all these questions and I tried to help them as much as I could. Then I saw them about a week ago, and I hadn't seen him since because everybody's so busy with paperwork and everything. It turns out their home didn't burn.
1: Oh, But nice. they've been
0: cleaning up for a couple months. Right? Said they had to scrub every item in their home. It was so sooty and smoky. And I'm I'm not sure what their insurance is doing. I won't see numbers till we do tax season kind of stuff. But uh, I'm not sure what they're going to get replaced, but they were acting like they've cleaned everything up in their house. Right. So it's a huge job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the aftermath of all of this is an entirely new story. It could be a whole other book because of exactly having to clean up. And what if you have insurance? What if you don't have insurance? Right. And that whole aspect And people, you know, even if you had your home, not everybody could get up to their home or it wasn't livable. There's no water, no power, no phone. So that's an entirely different disaster-type scenario. You know, where do you live in the meantime? And what do you do for work if your job burned down? Right. Yeah. So it's we, a big mess. Yeah, and we have a little bit of the, I call, aftermath stories on some of the people's stories that we'll talk about, too.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Now, it's going to be a really entertain, Well, interesting book. I shouldn't say entertaining because that's kind <laughs> like some comedy. It's not. Right. But I'm sure there's a lot of... Interesting anecdotes that come out of all these different stories.
1: Yeah. And there are some stories that, you know, err on the lighter side. It really just depends on someone's attitude towards everything. But there were some stories where, you know, people were chuckling as they were sharing with me some of these stories. And right. Not most of them, but a few.
0: Right. So uh, before we get uh, much deeper into all that, let's give out the contact information for anybody who might want to contribute a story to this book. Times running out because the the work on the book and getting it ready for what's your schedule trying to be for the publishing date is that uh... Oh
1: shooting for the anniversary date of the fire. So I would like to have the book out and available. Come this November. Oh, great. But that's a whole lot of work that has to go into it. So I need stories all into me. I have to transcribe the stories because I record most of the stories. Um, right. People can write the stories and send them to me. I have had several people who've done that. It does make it easier. And the only downside to that is I'm not able to ask specific questions, such as what their time frame was or what roads they were on. Right. Um, or more in-depth as to what they were thinking or feeling at that time, you know, at the time when the flames are surrounding their vehicle type of right. So, But I do take both.
0: So a lot of these stories then, just to clarify, you're actually interviewing people and then you're basically writing it like a journalist would do.
1: Right, and I'm writing it from their point of view. Right,
0: from their point of yeah, view. absolutely. But you're asking them questions and talking on the phone <laughs> on some of these?
1: Um, yeah, most back of them. And forth, most of them are face to face because mm-hmm. people actually want to interact with me face to face. Oh, okay. And we record the stories that way. I get a lot of their feeling that's in there and their reactions. Um, it, I think it just adds a deeper, more personal level. Being able to do it that way, right? And most people prefer. So far, I've seemed to prefer to do it that way, right? Yeah, but we record it and then I ask them to start from the very beginning since it happened so early in the morning just start in the morning when you first woke up and what you know what was going on um to give me a time frame and what they were thinking and what they were noticing um communications they had with other people and their circumstances throughout so from beginning to the end of that day when they make it someplace safe right and then with some people the aftermath also cuz for some people it was you know jesus where's my dad My dad didn't leave the same time as me. Did he make it out and not having contact because landlines burned down, you know, and if somebody didn't have a cell phone and then even at that cell phone coverage up in the ridge is spotty in some places. So there's a whole, that's a whole other aftermath area, you know, being concerned.
0: Now that day, do you know, was their cell towers burned so that cell phones stopped working up there? Is that sort of what might've happened?
1: I have a lot of people said they completely lost cell phone coverage. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it adds, adds, it just makes it that much harder.
1: Oh yeah, especially for the people who are down here. Like even me, personally. Um, my mom was up there, and so many of my friends live up there. I'm down here, didn't go to work that damn at home, totally watching this fire transpire, and I'm texting friends who I know work up there at the hospital. I'm like, holy crap, are you working today? And just waiting for a response, or calling my mom. Where the hell are you? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, Chris. Radio station. But (laughs) yeah, you know, during times like that, you're just scared, you know, where are you? And let me know. And yeah, that was like my day. So there's the panic from people not knowing what's going on with their loved ones.
0: I was familiar with that due to the earthquake in nineteen eighty nine. We were in the Bay Area visiting. Oh. And I was at the baseball game and my wife was working in uh, San Francisco. Oh goodness. And so that was then the days before cell phones. In 89, oh, right. I don't think I had one. If I did, it wasn't a, if I did, it was one of those box kind in a car. <laughs> it wasn't a something you put in your pocket. Right. And that was kind of weird because I didn't hear from her until about 1 a.m. And oh. a friend of hers called and said she'll be able to be at the MacArthur BART station in a half hour. Oh. I mean, they ended up spending seven or eight hours just trying to get out of the city. And they ended up having to go up through Marin County and around. But her friend happened to know an AC Transit bus driver. So that was how they ended up getting on a bus instead of being stuck in the city all night. Anyway, so I'm familiar with that kind of thing just because of that. That was kind of weird. So if someone has a good story and they'd like to talk with you about either getting it done through an interview or them writing it, what's the contact that they can email, email you at, Sherry? All
1: right. So they can reach me at author gibson. that's my pen name, um, at mail.com. And page is spelled P-A-I-G-E.
0: So it's author Paige gibson Is that mail.com?
1: Yeah. That's at, not Gmail. Correct. Just okay. at mail.com. At
0: mail.com.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um wow. And they can also, or they should you know, tell a little bit of, about themselves and if they want, they can put their phone number in that way I can call them. Then they'll have my number and then we can connect that way. Cause it's usually a little faster that way. Right. Um, and some people would connect through just text. Some people just prefer to call. Um, other people can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm under Paige Gibson. My picture is a little avatar, blonde avatar with glasses. That's me. Um, or even on Twitter. At my author page, um, I have contacted um, a few people um, who are campfire survivors through Twitter. I mean, that's just one other way to reach out. So there's three ways to get in touch with me.
0: Right. And since we're on a business show, is there any compensation coming down the road for anybody in this book? Or is it a nonprofit labor of love?
1: Oh, um, there's definitely going to be a percentage of um the profits that are going to be donated back. So yeah, absolutely. Since the story is about the people who survived, yeah, I'd like to give as much as possible back to, you know, everybody. Right. Yeah, so not necessarily like to each person, but back to helping, you know, paradise rebuild. Right. Yeah.
0: That's the main thing. It could be years, I guess, and I'm curious to find out what people are thinking about who's rebuilding and who isn't. I'm sure that's part of the book also is going to talk about people's plans.
1: Um, well, I've talked to, you know, out of all right. these evacuees, I've asked them, you know, what are your plans? Are you going to rebuild? Or are you not? Right. And it's a real mix. I mean, about half the people say they want to rebuild up there because they had their houses that they owned. Right. Right. But some of them have just said flat out no because they already need to work and they haven't been able to get a job yet. Right. right. Several have already moved out of the state.
0: Right. yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Well, we're coming up on the first break. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Sherry Jones after this message. Rick Box,
1: founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment.
0: My son-in-law, Brian, met with a mutual friend who previously had been CFO of a well-known publicly traded company. When I asked Brian how his meeting went, Brian replied, He shared an idea with me that I will never forget. You are never as important as you think. For an older, wiser businessman of the stature of this former CFO, to share this insight with Brian was profound and helpful. Brian learned that day that each position is replaceable and that we need to guard our hearts against pride, especially when we have some successes in life. Proverbs 11.2 teaches, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. If you've experienced some successes, remember to remain humble. You are never as important as you think. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org.
1: Hi, this is James McDonald. And, you know, I didn't just stumble into Christian radio actually, I was personally impacted and had my life changed by Christian radio as a young man. And I bet the same has happened for you. Take a moment to contact your station right now. Let them know how their ministry has impacted your life. And might I suggest a gift, a financial contribution to help them continue and their passionate commitment
0: to get God's word to you. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. By the way, since we're talking about contact information, if you have questions about fire losses, tax implications, anything like that, I offer a free initial consultation that might be over the phone. It might be in person, depending on what we need. My number is 530-895-3353. You can call me anytime. If I'm not there, I'll call you back. So we're here with Sherry Jones now. Remember, the, uh, her uh, pen name is Paige Gibson, and it's P-A-I-G-E Gibson, and Gibson at mail.com. You can contact her, and if you have a fire story, she would love to hear from you. It's going to be a real interesting book when it all gets put together, and she's working very hard to do that. So for those of you who might not have heard me interview Sherry uh, back a few months back, she is a local business person. She's a very hardworking woman. She used to own a business right down the street from my office. Tell us about that business.
1: Oh, um, that was a children's retail store.
0: And what was that called?
1: Uh, Bargain Baby. That was was a long time ago. That was
0: on Fifth and Mangrove, right?
1: Yes, and I still run into um, customers who were regulars who shopped there, so that's nice to see them.
0: And their children are probably grown up now.
1: Yes, all grown up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it must be interesting, uh, buying and selling used? Baby goods or new and used? Was that what that was?
1: Yeah. So we started off with all pre-owned items and we had furniture, clothes, toys, pretty much all the essentials that people need to raise babies and little kids because let's face it, they're hugely expensive, right? Um, and it just became so popular that we ended up expanding the store and making one whole area, all new stuff so that we would have enough of the items that um, people needed and were always looking for. Right.
0: Right. So that was, was that at the same time as the one in the Safeway shopping center was going? The the Mangrove Safeway had one that used to sell a lot of cribs and things. It was new.
1: Yeah, all new stuff. Yeah. yeah they were very they were high ex- end. They
0: were expensive. Yep. Were I would drag my end. my parents, when my parents came to visit and our baby was little, I'd get them in there and they'd buy us something new or a nice high chair or something.
1: Right. That's I the way to go. I didn't shop
0: there myself back then. <laughs> <laughs> But now, are there baby stores now left, or are there not any locally that you know of? I mm-hmm. I mean, we don't pay attention now that we don't have babies, probably, but... Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure there's at least one. That um, might be
0: pre-owned.
1: Yeah. Um, I know for a while there was Apple Blossom Baby. Oh, yeah. I I think they're still around. I'm not oh, sure, because okay. I think yeah. they moved. But, I mean, it's such a... It's a great help. It's a great resource for parents.
0: right. Right. So, in the midst of the fire book, are you still working on some of your personal writing, your fiction writing, or is that sort of taking a back seat right now to the firework you're doing?
1: It's kind of on hold. Every once in a while, of course, you know, you know, as a writer, you constantly have ideas, and so right. I just keep a notebook of ideas so that when I have more time, I can get back to them. Right. Yeah, I have actually come up with two. Two or three other um, book ideas all from this. Right. Yep.
0: So it's going to lead to a lot of other things, but.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right.
0: But this project is number one right now. Yes. So uh, what's your favorite part about writing this book? I mean, um, we've already talked about the fact that you're learning about how people behave that day and how it worked for them. But uh, what are you enjoying most uh, during this process? I'm.
1: Um, Oh, gosh. Um, I guess from um, making new friends. Making right. new meeting friends. new people. Oh, yeah, and they're, they're just um, people I'm meeting are amazing because I'm getting to see them at a different level than you would just running into somebody at the grocery store, seeing a much more intimate side of them and their authentic self. So that's been wonderful. Um, and I've also discovered that I love interviewing people I mean, I had no idea that I would have such a passion to really try and get to know these people and what they experienced and listening to them. And so many people just want to be heard and have their story heard. And it should be, I mean, because everybody matters. So I love being able to take what I hear from them and put it in a book to be able to save for posterity and save for history and future generations to read, you know, for them to hear these amazing stories of people and their strength and compassion. And ordinary
0: people. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, ordinary people are capable of extraordinary things when they need to be.
0: Right. That always is one big philosophical thing that gets me is that you read these stories of the world leadership and people starting wars and all these things. But almost everybody I know of ordinary people aren't like that at all makes you wonder if there's a certain type of person that rises to the top of the power structure that's not like ordinary people. If you see what I'm saying, I've always thought about that.
1: Yeah, definitely different personality types. And it really takes all those different personality types to make a, you know, the world and to keep a balance.
0: Right. And if if everybody was like 99% of the people I know, the world would be a really nice place.
1: Oh, absolutely. It'd be that's very the way peaceful. I feel. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> so, that's probably a discussion for another day, but it's, it's interesting. Well, my clients, in fact, the, that morning was interesting for me. The person I was meeting, I actually, that was a Thursday. I was playing tennis that day at like nine, but I had to meet a client at about eight, and they were running late. And they were a paradise client that owned a bunch of properties there. And as this client came to drop some things off to me at about 8.15 or whenever that was, this big black cloud was billowing through the sky. And she was kind of looking at it. And I'm like, are you okay? You got to get back. And <laughs> so it was kind of weird. And it turned out they, their home didn't burn, but they lost like 6 income properties.
1: Oh, ouch.
0: But I believe they're insured. I haven't worked on any numbers yet. One man that's a strange case, not a strange case, just a strange situation. He had recently bought some commercial property in Paradise. He had paid cash cuz he had some inheritance or whatever. And he called me said I uh, don't think I had insurance. I think I <gasps> forgot. <laughs> so, oh, no. I believe he's going to – see, what it is is that for a tax person like me, in order to claim a casualty, the new law is the casualty has to be in a federally declared disaster. So we're in that. But it has to be the amount after insurance. So most people, if they did lose a building, they're being compensated so they don't have a big financial loss – after insurance pays back. Well, a guy like this, he will. So he's going to have a disaster loss of a couple hundred thousand dollars uninsured. Oh, wow. So that'll be a big tax saver for him. But of course, it's, you know, it's not as you know, saving tax is never as good as the money you lost.
1: Right, right.
0: But it's just kind of interesting that all this tax season will be crazy because I already know I've got at least, uh, I, with my Chico office, I probably have at least 20 or 30 clients with burned homes and or burned businesses. So it's it's just, it's going to be kind of crazy.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's wild. And the other thing I wanted to point out, and I mentioned this to a client I saw yesterday. Don't forget if you were stressed at, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people, Sherry, who were like driving through the fire and felt they weren't going to make it and freaking out. In my opinion, and I'm not an attorney, and I don't play one on television, I think, <laughs> I think everybody should at least sign up to be involved in the PG&E lawsuit. I mean, I'm not advising that. I'm just saying, why not? I mean, you could have been killed. These people could have been killed. And if there is someone at fault, they should be at least looking into that. Have you talked to people about that in these stories? Do they mention the a, lawsuit a stuff?
1: A few, and a few, um, yeah, I think most of the people I've talked to are going to sign up, you know, for the PGE and e lawsuit. Um, some aren't just because they were well insured and they don't want to have to worry about that. They really just want to start over, start fresh, get their money, start their new life, and stop reliving all that and having to deal with that, you know, because it's just a constant reminder of everything they lost. Right. They just want to be done with it and just move on.
0: Right. So I guess the scary part of a lot of these stories is that they really had no time to gather anything. That was probably the worst part of that morning for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have some people really kind of depended on where you lived or, you know, where people lived. Some had time. The common thread that I'm hearing from most of these people is, they didn't believe the fire was going to get to them. Right. They thought it was going to be on the outside because there's so many fires who've started that have started up there before. Everybody was always fine. No worries. Last time I packed up everything and had to just come back and unpack everything. I didn't want to have to go do that again. That's what right. several people have said. Right. So they just grabbed a few things. And they're like, ah, we'll be fine. Right. And then they say that as they're driving, they're only like at the end of their road and all of a sudden seeing their house just go up in flames and they're like, (laughs) whoops.
0: That's scary. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on that bottom of the hour break. Stay tuned to business buzz. We'll be right back after these messages. What do you and I need to understand about the children of Israel making the golden calf? Here's David Hawking with some insight. On one occasion you can dedicate, surrender your life to the Lord, be mightily moved of God, and a month later be down in the pits again. Be far away from the Lord. It can happen to the best of us. More about what the golden calf reveals about you and me this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus.
1: Folks, there is concern
0: about political bias in the federal judgeship nomination process. The American Bar Association has rated potential judges based on direct interviews and their legal record. One of the strong suits of this administration is its judicial appointments with constitutionally based decisions favoring pro-life and religious liberty. But the abortion rights advocacy of some of the ABA judicial nominee committee members is troubling. This administration is not relying on their recommendations. And let's
1: pray this independence will result in more decisions based on constitutional principles from the federal bench for decades to come.
0: The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org.
1: Adopt US Kids presents multiple choice parenting.
0: You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A. Get spiritual. Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within oh b find the positives less time blow drying more time texting or c show empathy mom you really don't have to twinsies i kind of love it you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same
1: for more information on adoption visit adoptuskids.org. a message from the u.s department of health and human services adopt u.s kids and the ad council
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA. We're here with Sherry Jones, aka Page Gibson, and if you're want to get involved with this wonderful book about the terrible fire, you can contact her. The email is author, Paige Gibson. that's the word author, then p a i g e gibson at mail.com. So Sherry, let's talk about, uh, tell us about the book. What's it going to be like? Uh, How's it going to be structured? Uh, What's it going to be all about?
1: All right. So it's essentially going to be an anthology. Um, So the collection of other people's stories from their experiences from that day. But um, one of the first things that people are going to see when they open it up is an actual text from PG&E From the day before warning of a fire and to be ready to evacuate.
0: I remember those messages were going out as if they knew it was really weird.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what a lot of people felt like they had to have had some idea that there was a huge possibility of this occurring for those to be being sent out, you know, a day, two days before it actually occurred. So to me, when I first saw that, when someone showed me, my mom showed me her text, I was like, holy crap. And it just makes such a huge impact. So that's going to be one of the first images people see when they open the book is that warning, because that's huge. Right. And we're going to have the stories and have things, you know, broken up by families, um, by people who stayed to fight the fires and then people who just tried to leave and escape with their lives. And, but also a bunch of maps in there. I would like to have street maps of Paradise and Megalia. And um, one of the things I ask the evacuees when they're explaining their story is to tell me the roads that they're on, you know, you know, where you started and which way they go. That way people who aren't familiar with the area can look at the maps and say, okay, this person was here and they got directed here and then redirected here. And I have um, one woman who's completely lost. So despite the fact that she had lived in Paradise for 10 years, had been redirected so many times and her GPS wasn't updated. It couldn't make contact to constantly let her know where she was. She was totally lost. And that's even scary. Here you are surrounded by fire and you don't know where you are and you don't know which road's going to take you out. And you're constantly being redirected and you go down one road and it's a dead end. And what do you do? You have to try and drive back out and figure out which way to go. So, for people, for readers, to be able to follow the directions that people took, right. I think we'll just add a lot more to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a county map so people can see just how the enormity of this disaster. You know, going from Polga and Concow and Paradise and Megalia in the canyon, they can really see the scope of the devastation. Right, almost
0: almost to the edge of Chico too, down on ninety
1: nine. Yeah, absolutely. Wow.
0: The, when, when the whole thing was going, that was the thing. If they hadn't have had that back road through Sterling city, it probably would have ended up much, much worse as far as the skyway.
1: Oh, the center road. Yeah. The one go that down. goes
0: up from, uh, through Megalia mm-hmm. goes through Sterling city. That road was just added a few years ago. There used to be only one way out.
1: Yeah, and Now, it's, luckily,
0: there was two, so that that really helped.
1: Oh, yeah, that saved just thousands of people. I mean, I talked to people who were in Megalia, who were just going to come down the traditional Skyway route, get to the bridge, well, everything's on fire, and they're told to go back. And I was like, well, where do we go? Right. And having to drive their little normal city cars down on this gravel, windy, one-lane road right. to get out. right. Definitely saved lots of people.
0: Yeah, that was. But all these things, kind of like the PG&E notices, it makes you wonder what people already knew or whether they realized what the danger was. And I don't know. It's just a weird situation.
1: And from all the people I've talked to, everybody's known that there's the potential for a huge disaster. But I don't think anybody ever thought that it would wipe out the entire town.
0: Right. They didn't right. think it would be that bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, because let's face it, California, you have spot fires everywhere, right. you know. Um, and they do burn hundreds of acres, but not usually through an entire city.
0: So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see that map because I haven't looked at anything like that lately, but it really was a huge area that oh, was affected.
1: Right. And I'd like to have one map that really shows um, what all burned and what areas were right. burned.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And we're going to have at the end of the book, we're going to have happy pet stories.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> Cause you got to, you got to end with something <laughs> positive.
1: And there are a lot of pet stories that yeah. are in there. You know, the extremes that people went through to save their animals or their neighbor's animals. So they're really touching And um, people who were at work, like down in Chico and their pets were at home. Cause they had no right. idea what was going to happen that day. Right. And not knowing whether their pets made it or not. Right. And you know, come to find out when they're finally allowed to go home two weeks later, there's their dog sitting on, you know, the fireplace hearth, just waiting for them to come home. I am mean, just <laughs> yeah. just, Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There's a really sweet story. So they're going to be in the back of the book so we can end it on a really happy note.
0: That's good. I, I do know someone who left, they were in the old Megalia area near the graveyard near the cemetery. And they didn't feel like they were going to be in danger, but they, grabbed the cats anyway and so oh. they saved their cats because oh. the house did burn oh yeah. yeah so it turned out to be a, a a good good luck for the pets and you know you kind of probably get intuitions like that at a time like that right you know, oh. even though you don't think it you probably feel it
1: right and one of the things i'd like to point out is there are so many animals so many of these people's pets that were are in rescues and the people who are volunteering and working at these rescues are really trying hard to reunite the families with these pets. Um, so anybody, if you couldn't find your pet, if you can't find them, there is a possibility that your pet's alive. Just look through the shelters. There's some great resources on some of the pet camp survivor sites on Facebook. Facebook is a huge resource for people trying to find resources for them personally, financially, and also for finding pets. Um I, one of my ladies that I talked to just last week had spent two months trying to find her cat and ended up eventually finding her.
0: Oh great. Yeah, the cat at a shelter.
1: Um no, at a vet hospital. Oh. The cat had been burned. So somebody Somebody
0: took the cat to the vet.
1: To the vet in San Francisco. Oh. That was a specialty, you know, vet there, took care of the cat and its burns. Then from there the cat made it up to Reading. And was, again, taken care of at a veterinary hospital. And she finally found it there, but two months. So the animals are out there. You just have to look for them.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, the other thing I heard was that a lot of the shelter animals that came down to the Chico Airport or those dog places, Mm -hmm. the owners ended up leaving the area and didn't all take their pets. So there's probably a lot of pets that need homes.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And some of these people, they're their living circumstances yeah, like a hotel room or exactly. something. They won't allow pets. Yes. And right. so they're they're having to be separated from their pets. And you know yeah, unfortunately. So you have a lot of animals that are out there that do need to be adopted. Right. Unfortunately. And hopefully, you know, hopefully good hearted people can take those animals in.
0: Right. Right. Well another interesting feature for business wise on the fire is the price of homes in the area. Oh, yeah, they've like in Chico, And I noticed even some listings of homes in Megalia. They're a lot more than they would have been before the fire. Yeah, and absolutely. it seems like they're selling.
1: Yes, because people are desperate to have a home, and they want to stay in the area because this is where their job is. Right. And they don't want to move out of the area, have to find a job and a place to live. So yeah. they're buying a price is a little too high.
0: Well, I mean, that could be. But then again, a lot of them have insurance money, so they... They're not feeling poor.
1: Right. Yeah. Right.
0: One of the things about Paradise and Megalia in general is the people who live there really like it. Right. I mean, some might not come back, but it's the kind of place where you really like that kind of place or you wouldn't be there.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They want the country, calm, right. quiet living and where you know of the your job, neighbors.
0: Most people commute to their job. I mean, there's jobs in Paradise and Megalia, but not that many.
1: Right, so yeah. it's
0: a commuter kind of place. Yeah, absolutely. So I can see where they'd want to go back, as long as they can keep themselves safe from the next fire. I would think. Right. And a home that survived this fire might be likely to survive a future fire. I mean, if that's the way they're thinking. Yeah. As far I, as the people buying the homes that are there.
1: Right, or they yeah. might be thinking, well, everything else already burned. So what's the likelihood that right. that's ever going to happen a while. again? Right. Yeah. And. And
0: hopefully, I'm guessing they're going to come out with some new codes to make it even more strict on the keeping the bush,
1: clearance. keeping the brush
0: further away and all that. So right. maybe they'll do that, too. Well, we're coming up on that last break of the hour, so stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll be right back after these messages. How are you going to get to the Sacramento airport? Use North Valley Shuttle. It's easy online at NorthValleyShuttle.com. Don't be that person who bugs their friends or family to take you. Book online right now at NorthValleyShuttle.com. North Valley Shuttle has added new departure and arrival times each week for your convenience. Serving Chico, Paradise, Oroville, Gridley, Live Oak, and Yuba City Marysville. North Valley Shuttle gets you there quickly and safely. Leave the car at home and let NorthValleyShuttle.com do the driving. License PSC 20791. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We're talking with Sherry Jones. She's getting ready to publish a book, and it's still in the process of being written. So if you have a Paradise Fire story or you know someone who does, contact her. The email is authorpagegibson, that's the word author, then p-a-i-g-e gibson at mail.com. Not Gmail just regular mail.com So, Sherry, how is this going to be published? How are you working on the publishing end of this thing? Tell us a little bit about self-publishing, traditional publishing, how that all works.
1: All right. So, my first book that I did, which was actually a short romance story, I did self-publishing because it was the first one, I wanted to kind of get a feel for it and how that all worked. But for this one, it it has we're all living through history right now, and I i don't know. I just think this is just such a huge book to have all this collection of people's life experiences for that one day. And I've gotten so much positive feedback from everybody that I really think that a traditional publishing house will jump on this. Um, everybody I've talked to has just given me positive feedback, love the fact that I'm doing this book. I love the fact that they're going to be heard and that their story is going to be saved for future generations. So I'm really optimistic that a a traditional publishing house is going to have the same feeling. I mean, I've even asked people about, or people have asked me about um, taking pre-orders for the book because that's how enthused they are about this book.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's Yeah. that's that's really cool. So I'm sure you aren't really shopping that until you get it all written. So that's part of your deadline situation.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, so I'd like to have you know, um, all the stories in by sometime in March, right. just because the rest of it's going to be, you know, transcribing the stories, making them readable and interesting for readers right? and putting everything together, having it categorized. So that's enjoyable for readers, not just, you know, each individual story, but then it has to go through the whole process of being edited and I have to find an agent also who wants to represent me. So I have to have enough of this put together to be able to share with an agent, sign on with an agent, and then have an agent go out there and find the um, the publisher for me. So right. it's all just a time process.
0: Right. But you're probably start, you probably are starting on that even though the book isn't completely written yet.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've yeah. already started promoting the book just because right. I'm just so passionate about it and the stories and what it's – what it's going to share and save for the world.
0: Right. Did anybody do this kind of thing? Do you know? Has anybody done this, for like, regarding the Santa Rosa fire? I never heard about a book like that. Or
1: I've actually tried to search online. I've, you know, done my Googling, trying to find um, other books like this. And I haven't found one yet. doesn't mean it's not out there. It just means right. I haven't been able to type in the right keywords to bring it up. But I have looked. But there is a possibility that this could be the first of its kind, which I'm okay with because, you know, I find this whole experience so fascinating and so interesting that for future, you know, disasters that come up, I'm going to be very inclined to go there, do what I can, you know, to help people, um, help people find resources that they need, whether it's emotional or financial or whatnot, and then collect their stories and do another book because for each disaster, they're all different. So they have different challenges to them. So whether it's floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, like you had mentioned, each one has its own challenges for survival in there. Right. So I think each one would, you know. Could be a potentially you know, another fascinating. Could turn into book. a series. <laughs> Absolutely, not that we Un- want unfortunately that. Unfortunately <laughs>
0: for the world. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I mean, it does seem like Mother Nature's kind of you know getting a little peeved with people, so <laughs> right. these things are coming out. But you know, I'd love to be able to save the stories for future generations. And there's even been talk of, um, oh gosh, what's the word? Um, not a special edition, but
0: like a. F- follow-up like a yeah. supplement or
1: uh, one that's a higher quality book so an heirloom book to hand down to future generations because i've already had a couple parents who were um stories i've collected who've said that they want to have an heirloom book to hand down to each of their kids oh you mean
0: like a real fancy hard bound edition or yeah. something yeah yeah oh, okay. leather
1: bound something right. that they oh. can you know yeah. that's saving because it's saving part yeah. of their family history right. is in that book so right. that's something that i'm going to you know push for too yeah i would th-
0: i would imagine that people who lost everything have that need now to at least have it in a book form of a story because their whole house went up and they lost all their family stuff
1: oh yes yeah. that's one of the things i've talked to so many people about they've lost their family genealogy their you know dad's Picture military albums, records right. yeah Yeah, all of that stuff. That's the thing.
0: The the new generation keeps all of their photos on their phone and in the cloud. But the older generation, like a lot of people in Paradise who were retired, they have not digitized pictures or anything like that. Right. They had them in albums. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's really sad. I know my dad grew up. He was born in Oakland, and he grew up in the... He was born in the late 20s, and his parents had a little grocery store in the down around Bakersfield. And the story there is he has no pictures or anything hardly. I found a few after he passed away in boxes, but their house had burned back in the 30s or early 40s. And oh, so he didn't have any much family stuff at all. Right. So that was kind of sad for him. Right. And back then, nothing was digital, of course, but yeah, it's hard to imagine. When the fire happened here in Chico about, I think it was about 10 years ago, we actually were to the point where the sheriff drove into our driveway and said, you got to go. Oh,
1: wow. So
0: we were about 15 minutes away from packing up some picture albums and the uh, cats and, <laughs> and leaving. <laughs> Luckily, about uh, 10 minutes after that, the sheriff drove back in and said, no, it's been called off. So, you know, they had some kind of communication thing. But uh, that was very scary. So we have a little bit more of a plan. We need to do better. Right. We have a little more of a plan of what we're going to grab kind of thing. But still.
1: And that's something that for everybody, no matter where you live, you should have a family emergency plan, you know. Right. Know how everybody in your family is going to communicate because you can't always count on the phones. You know, what's going to be another method to communicate to make sure that people are okay. Or
0: a place to meet up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or the sites you can go online to register that you are safe, to have a to-go bag with your important papers in there. So many people I've talked to, they didn't even grab their wallets or purses, so they had no ID, no insurance card, none of this stuff. So if you're prepared, you can have copies of all this stuff and you keep it in your to-go bag along with, you know, emergency medications that you may have. Some people left without that. Right. And, um, you know, clothes, just basic essentials.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I'm. I have to admit I'm a little bit of a do as I say and not as I do. I am so concerned about clients' information and me backing it up, me keeping it safe. But my own things, I'm still not as digital as I should be with my own paperwork. So when I do some cleanup of my own things, I start doing what I can to scan important papers and you know, save them. There's a thing called Google Drive. It's in the cloud, essentially, where you don't have to. In the old days, I would always remember I'd have my laptop or my desktop And when that thing crashed, if I didn't have backup of those documents in that computer, Mm -hmm. I couldn't find them again. Now with Google Drive, documents go to a safe place and any computer can access them. Of course, you have to keep your password safe. I am a little bit guilty of not doing my own records as good as I safeguard my clients because, of course, whenever I'm doing clients' records, I'm thinking about my livelihood and my business and I'm making sure I do that all up to snuff. Right. But my own I can I realize I've got pictures at home that I should have digitized by now that I haven't. So right. I gotta be careful with that.
1: Right. And it's very easy nowadays. You can buy these portable scanners and you can run everything through, even pictures. They right, have like picture snapshots quality. and they'll right. yeah, you literally just run it through and right. it gets saved onto your computer. From there you can, you know, save it to cloud somewhere yeah. and you're good to go
0: i also did one time i can't remember the name of the place but there's ones called didge my pics and you ship them ups like slides and negatives or prints and then they scan them and send you back discs along with your pictures oh. so it's a little nerve-wracking to send off your one-of-a-kind pictures but i did it i did it as a test with uh, a bunch of slides from my high school days when i was on the school newspaper I used to do a lot of photography with slides and I sent them off and they came back and I have discs and now I've got those digitized. So I should do those with more, but.
1: Right. And it's, I think for some people, it's very easy to do it that way to have someone else do it because it does take time to do all this. And if you're not comfortable with technology, I'm sure that puts a lot of people off or people like you and me, we're so busy with Life, it's like, well, gosh, I really don't have an extra five hours, right? It, to would, try be fun. And save it would be fun things. to do it, but oh, yeah. yeah, can't. But the spend time that is another time. thing. Yeah, that's so if the there's thing. a company that's out there, yeah, there it are. Can do there's places you, you can
0: send it to, and it works pretty well. So, getting back to the Paradise Fire, of the people you've talked with, are you getting a feel for the ones that want to come back, the ones that don't? I mean, if you had to guess, I think you touched on that a little bit, but. Would you say maybe half might move back, half won't? I know uh, we have a, uh, my writer's group that you're a part of, one woman there was an older woman from Paradise, and I she called me because I didn't know how to get in touch with her. And she's not coming back simply because she's in her 80s and her son lives in Arizona, so she's just going to move down there, which she probably would have done anyway at some point. What are you getting the feel for, other than the people that are 80 years old, I can understand they might not go back because they probably could do better somewhere else. What's your feeling on the middle-aged types that you've talked to about how many might move back to the area up there?
1: So the gist I'm getting from the people I talk to, and I talk to tons of people, not just the people who are in the book, but I talk to people almost daily about you know, um, paradise life, and Miguel. Right. Yeah. Life. Exactly. So I would say for everyone who owned their own home up there, if they're not, you know, 70 and up, right, they're planning on staying and rebuilding. But for anybody who didn't own a home, like, you know, a lot of the younger people, right. they're not going back.
0: Right. Cause it'll yeah. take a year or two for the businesses to come back.
1: And- yeah. And then the people who are, you know, 70 plus, the amount of time it's going to take to clean up and rebuild and get that infrastructure going again. Yeah. They're not confident that they'll even be alive by that point. So they're moving.
0: Right. So that could end up changing the whole demographics up there. It might be less of a retirement area and more of a working guy area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Hopefully it remains a place that's affordable and still in touch with nature up there.
0: Right. Well, I'd notice that the, there is quite a bit of survival as far as the buildings on the Skyway, you know, the commercial area, like the Holiday Market Center, the Dutch Brothers. Right. Uh, you know, there's quite a few blocks that are still there. Right. You know, it's not super bad on the Skyway. Like, I mean, parts of it are. Right. But parts of it aren't. I right. mean, parts of it aren't that bad, so... I could see that coming back in a reasonable time frame, I would think. Now, they still have the problem up there of the whole thing about the largest city in the country without a sewer system. So it's all septic. And those septics have been a problem up there for a long time. Right. So they might need to work on sewer for the commercial districts before they really do the full-blown. That's a whole other subject, but I do know that's a problem up there. There just yeah. isn't enough room to keep going with all these septic tanks.
1: Right, right. So and there were challenges with the septic tanks. If somebody had a cement uh, system, then they fired far better than those with the plastic, right. or they melted because of the fire. And right, I've heard stories the about wild animals, you know, deer and whatnot, falling in to oh. the septic tanks because they had melted. Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: It just... the. Yeah, the tragedy never ends, but that's why we're going to all have to read your book. Yeah, that's Buy right. your book, read your book. That's right. And uh, in indirectly that way, we'll be donating to help the fire victims. So, well, thanks, Sherry, for being my guest.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. KKXX, Paradise. K280GL, Chico. And K283AR.
1: From townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. President Trump is greeting the latest entry into the 2020 White House race. Correspondent Sagar Magani reports from the White House. I like Bernie. The president says Sanders was
0: taken advantage of after running a great race in 2016.
1: He was not treated with respect by Clinton.
0: He says he wishes Sanders well, but...